Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Who's having a hard time watching people like Maggie Haberman sit in morning, noon, and night on CNN or MSNBC or wherever? They're still pushing Trump Russia over at the New York Times. Oh, yeah, they are. I have the quote right here. Maggie Haberman, along with several other Airfingers, quote, high profile. We're going to revisit this. Reporters were found out to be having strategy sessions with the Clinton campaign back in 2016. You know, I love when people say, what about ism? We should call it you forgotism, or it's contextism, or what did you say back then ism? There's no such thing as a what about ism. The uh, and the what about ism only only ankle biters use this. What about ism? That means they don't possess any knowledge outside of what is being put in front of them right now, and they don't want to have to delve into it. Nothing deserves context, you see. They say, what about it? You don't get you don't get to say the only thing we're allowed to discuss is what's right in front. We're talking about this now. This is what's happening now. Yeah, but I want to know what you said then. You know, when Hillary Clinton, when we, we watched, and I have the clip, James Comey say, Well, yeah, we we don't think this is really mishandling of classified information. Oh, you don't? Well, why don't you? Hillary Clinton had classified information on a private server. We know disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner was viewing classified information on Huma Abedin's laptop. That wasn't a problem back then. Destroying devices, wiping servers with bleach, but none of this stuff seemed to bother anyone. As a matter of fact, the means like, shoo, 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 shoo. You don't, you don't question the queen of the pantsuit. It's about the first woman president. Shut up. Now the, oh my God, nuclear secrets. Yeah, about those nuclear secrets. We haven't gotten any details, have we? Nuclear secrets. Nuclear secrets. Hasn't been a lot of... Well, Andrew, they're they're keeping it under wraps, really, because they're so good at that. The word nuclear got leaked to the Washington Post before the agents even left Mar-a-Lago. Don't tell me that they're they're keeping a lid on this stuff. I want to go back in time a little bit for you so you can understand... So you can understand who some of these people are. Some of these people that are responsible for the bulk, the major pieces of so-called journalism, if you will, that get picked up and are are syndicated and, and what have you, all come from a small group of people who were very close very close to the to the Clinton campaign and are still openly promoting Democrat talking points. This goes back to October 18th, 2016. This is Politico, not exactly an outpost of conservative thinking. WikiLeaks and the oily Washington press. A bunch of reporters get caught up in the Podesta flypaper. How bad is it really? And it says right here, 
No craftsman likes doing his work while the customer looks over his shoulder. Plumbers hate it, electricians hate it, even the pool guy hates it. This truism goes double for the scribblers in the press corps who would prefer that their methodology remain mysterious, especially the half dozen Washington journalists who've been humbled this past week by the revelation in the hacked John Podesta emails released by WikiLeaks. It said those snares in Podesta's flypaper are currently suffering an abundance of embarrassment for their shameless buttering up and apparent coziness with their inside sources in Clinton world. Reading the emails, we witness CNBC New York Times contributor John Harwood, who's now with CNN, by the way, slathering Podesta with flattery, giving him campaign advice and praising Hillary Clinton. In another email, the Washington Post's Juliet, uh, Juliet Elprin offers Podesta a heads up about a story she's about to publish, providing a brief pre-publication synopsis. CNBC's Becky Quick promises to defend Obama appointee Sylvia Mathers Bur Burwell. New York Times Magazine writer Mark Leibovich, who, came a famous, uh, who wrote a famous book lambasting permanent Washington courtship rituals, asks Clinton Press Secretary Jennifer Palmieri for permission to use portions of an off-the-record interview with the candidate. Palmieri withholds only a couple of comments and concludes her email to Leibovich. Pleasure doing business. Giving it a creepy transactional vibe. Politico reporter Glenn Thrush sends Podesta a chunk of his story in progress to make sure I'm not effing anything up. Beyond WikiLeaks, a January 2015 uh, Clinton strategy document obtained by The Intercept describes reporter Maggie Haberman, then at Politico, now at The New York Times, as someone the campaign, quote, has a very good relationship with and who's been called upon to tee up stories before and never disappointed. Should I continue? This is the Washington press corps at its finest. Or at its most loathsome. When we talk about them being the apparatus, the publicity arm, the press office of the Democratic National Committee, we're not kidding. This was exposed in 2016. And it wasn't they just they just happened to have a lapse in their ethics. They never had ethics. These people didn't get caught in some one-time thing with Hillary Clinton. This is who these people are. This is who they've always been. There they are in direct communication with the leaders of the Clinton campaign to tee up stories, to bury stories, to get permission before they print their stories. In other words, they're, they're doing airfingers, quote, journalism as a means of either propaganda or campaign advertising. The piece goes on. Let me just read this one quote because it's true. Until the Washington press corps is reduced by about 90%, which won't happen in our lifetimes, the mortifying dance we see in the Podesta emails will continue. To lean on an over overused metaphor, the Podesta emails give us a strong sense of how the sausage is made. But long before the invention of email, journalists routinely donned false faces to charm their sources. They pretended to be sympathetic. They feigned interest in their sources and their families. They fawned, they socialized with them, fed their egos, and remembered their birthdays. If you were a Washington journalist, you would too. The only difference between the old days and today is that many of the conversations are now preserved in electronic amber. Critics of reporters exposed by emails aren't wrong to find these courtship rituals kind of icky, but few are talking about how the sausage ends up tasting. Elperin, 
Leibovich, Thrush, and Haberman appear to have conned their way into the inner sanctums to produce credible work that's accurate and useful to readers. What appears to be compromises ultimately rebound to their favor. When you are so one-sided, when you are so enamored with the people that you are covering, it's impossible, impossible to have any ethical, responsible, neutral, unbiased journalism. So here we go. Here's Haberman's latest piece. Trump's shifting explanations follow a similar playbook. First, he said he was working and cooperating with government agents who claimed had inappropriately entered his home. Then, when the government revealed that the FBI during its search had recovered nearly a dozen sets of documents that were marked classified, he suggested that agents had planted evidence. Finally, his aides claimed that he had a standing order to declassify documents that left the Oval Office for his residence and that some of the materials protected by attorney-client executive privilege. Those are the ever-shifting explanations that former President Donald Trump and his aides have given regarding what FBI agents found last week in a search of his residence at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. Trump and his allies have cast the searches apart. Oh, I just clicked off the piece. What did I just do there? Oh, there it is. Trump and his allies have cast the search as a partisan assault while amplifying conflicting arguments about the handling of sensitive documents and failing to answer a question at the center of the federal investigation. Why was he keeping documents? Some still more classified in an unsecured Florida resort when officials had sought for a year to retrieve them. The often contradictory and unsupported defenses perpetuated by Trump and his team since the FBI search follow a similar playbook of the former president. He has used it over the decades, but most visibly when he faced with investigate was faced with investigations into whether his campaign in 2016 had conspired with the Russians. Well, first of all, his campaign didn't conspire with the Russians. No matter how many times the New York Times said it, but there she is. They're still on Trump rush. They don't accept the findings of the Mueller, but they know he did it. Orange man, bad, they know he did it. It doesn't matter if there's no evidence. It doesn't matter if there was a two-year-long investigation. It doesn't matter if millions of dollars were spent and you had weasels like Andrew Wiseman seeping into every hole and corner of the lives of innocent people. They know he did it and they're going to keep reporting it. Now, is this coming from Hillary Clinton? Or John Podesta, who is who is goading this on? These people are not independent. They're not nonpartisan. They're not unbiased. We know who they are. How did the Washington Post get the word nuclear so quickly? If we're talking about the most monumental investigation ever in the history of the presidency, right? I mean, if Donald Trump was selling nuclear secrets, that would make Watergate look like you know, some local mayor's race. How did the Washington Post get it? Who was leaking? The most sensitive investigation in the history of the presidency. A president who may be guilty of the Espionage Act. How did the Washington Post get a source? Apparently, they didn't think anything of it. Now, the same people that are jumping up and down, screaming and yelling about Donald Trump and classified information are the same people that didn't care when Hillary destroyed classified information on her private server or the fact that the Clintons sold the Chinese our missile guidance technology and our uranium to the, to the Russians. But, they, you know, who cares, right? 
What, what, what about ism, Andrew? Is that, is that like a good voice? What about ism? Yeah, 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 you can't, yeah. Donald Trump hasn't been convicted of anything. He hasn't even been indicted. And yet there was Maggie Haberman this morning on CNN proclaiming him guilty. Does she have any evidence of this? Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's hearsay. Oh, okay. Well, you, I know you guys like hearsay. I know you love the hearsay. But Donald Trump isn't guilty of anything yet. Andrew, you used the word yet. Yeah, that's correct. There's been no court case. Now, if you're asking me personally, I think this is completely overblown. Remember this? Cube cut one. Here's James Comey announcing that no prosecutor, which is not the role of the FBI, by the way, that would be a U.S. attorney's job. But here's Comey saying six years ago, we don't really think, uh, you know, she really did anything. Cut one. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. So how do you see them in the case of Trump? How do you find it? How do you, how do you draw any distinction here? No, the difference is Trump didn't destroy the stuff and the FBI has it now. They told him to lock it up. He locked it up. It's been locked up. Wine 695 Patriot 957-2874. So with Hillary, it was, yeah, all right, you know, maybe she, you know, broke a few laws here, but, you know, we don't really have, uh, I don't think anyone would make a case against her. I mean, come on, it's, you know, it's, she didn't intend to do this stuff. I mean, we don't know. Where was Maggie Haberman then? Where was Glenn Thrush then? When was Mark Leibovich then? Where was Juliet Alperin then? Huh? Of course not. They were all writing supportive stories of Hillary. This is a witch hunt. This is about her being a woman. A woman. They would never treat a man with such indignity. <laughs> really? We're right. They're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West, on Sirius XM Patriot, Channel 125.